Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from City Field in New York. It's the New York Mets 10, the Cleveland Guardians 9 in extra innings. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, a thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And it was a hell of a baseball game. I'll, I'll give them that much. Uh, it does not go our way. It's a uh, it's a rough extra innings for us, but uh, it was a heck of a baseball game to get there. And unfortunately, uh, this is an insane w- weekend for me. I'm working like crazy. I I barely got to watch any of this game. In fact, by the time I got this game on, everything kind of went to went to heck. Try not to curse. Uh, you know, uh, after we give up the the uh, grand slam to Alonzo in the seventh to tie the game. That's about the time I got to sit down with this game. And so I got to watch. Uh, I I thought we had it in the top of the 10th. I thought I thought that away team advantage was going to be there for us in the top of the 10th inning. And uh, Arias delivers a big, big two RBI, two run scoring home run out opposite field again. Goes opposite way again. Uh, he had gone in defensively for Josh Bell. And uh, gets so kind of a pinch hit at bat uh, in the tenth inning, and I, you had to think. I mean, look what the win probability line is at that point after Arias hits the home run, moves up to an eighty percent in the Guardians' favor to win the game after Arias hits that home run, and then the freaking Mets come storming back. Classe just is absolutely terrible in these extra inning situations. And he, he something about that runner on second base just absolutely messes with Emmanuel Classe. He can't he can't get out of these situations. And um, and you give him a clean ninth inning and the dude is unstoppable. But man, these extra inning things. Let's see here. Do we have the extra inning splits? Here we go. Uh no, it's gotta be it's gotta be more than two games. They don't have the numbers. Man, they don't have the numbers, I don't think, from this one. Uh so he's pitched in three games now. So I don't have the updated numbers, but uh he definitely is gonna have an e- he had an ERA of zero because that was an unearned runner on second base, but his whip was a two point two five in extra innings, and that's going up after he gives up how many hits in extra innings? Four more hits in extra innings. Uh, it was already at a 2.25 in extra innings. So that, yeah. Man. We as compared to a 1.10 whip walks hits per innings pitched in that ninth inning. So unhit, you know, not, not completely unhittable, but eh, pretty good. Pretty good in that ninth inning. I would I would wager that a lot of those hits he's given up 19 hits. I wonder how many of them came with two outs already. Uh, didn't that happen the night before uh, or earlier? Yeah, I feel like that happened the night before where uh, you know okay got two outs then gave up a hit but then got out of it. Uh, so Classe again blows his fifth save of the season in that tenth inning in that extra inning. So. I, again, Statcast isn't updated with this game, but I'm I'm looking at 2.25 whip right now. I bet when you go look at, if you go pull it up right now while you're listening to this episode, I bet you that's higher. I, I, it's getting to the point where Francona has to consider: Do I just pitch Class A in the ninth inning? 
and go to somebody else in the tenth because it's not working so well. Uh, so yeah, so let's get into the actual storylines of this game because this is gonna be a quick episode. I my alarm is going off at five thirty a.m. for work, so let's get into this thing. Uh, the Guardians' offense was raking. They were absolutely raking. They were up seven to three at one point in this game. They were up five nothing at one point in this game. They did get into a situation in the middle of the game where uh, the Mets wrestled back the momentum. Basically, uh, you know, we're up five nothing. We score in the top of the fifth inning there, and then they answer right back in the bottom of the fifth inning. So that's one of those momentum things where you're thinking, all right, there we go, adding on to the lead. Amon Rosario shoots a single uh, in the left field. Will Brennan comes in to score. Nice to see Amon Rosario getting some hits against his old team. Although Lindor would do him, you know, would do him one better in the bottom of the tenth inning with a walk-off hit. But still nice to see Amon Rosario getting some hits. Francisco Alvarez. Uh, who would play a heroics a couple of times in this game, gets the scoring going for the Mets with a solo home run. Uh, gets him on the board. And then they jump on uh, Quantrill for one more with a McNeil single uh, in the right field, and Lindor comes in to score. So, uh, you know, we think we add on a nice insurance run on the top of the fifth inning. They answer right back. Then they're able to add a run in the sixth inning with uh, Beatty homers, and now they've made it a 5-3 game, and you're thinking, eh, Quantrill's losing them. You know, they're they're clawing their way back into this game. 5-3 doesn't feel as good as 5-0. And then we respond. So they score in the bottom of the sixth. We respond in the top of the seventh. Usually that's enough to get that momentum back, and you can usually ride that wave with the bullpen we have. You would assume you're going to ride that wave to the end of the game. But, uh, you know, let's look at the win probability. I mean, after Naylor's single uh, that drives in two runs, uh, we're at a 95% win probability. So not just momentum, but the math, the, the, the emotional momentum, but also the mathematics say the Guardians are going to win this game, putting two runs on in the top of the seventh. That's, that's one of those reasons why answering back runs is so important in this game. And, you know, they talk about go out there and just win the inning sometimes, right? So uh, the Mets win the fifth inning. They win the sixth inning. And now you're feeling pretty good about the seventh inning. Bases loaded situation. Naylor drives one, uh, you know, shoots one opposite field. Uh, Doesn't do it very often, but can do it from time to time. Can shoot one opposite field. 99.6 mile per hour exit velocity. Two runs come in to score. It was a weird inning. A lot of base runners, man. Brennan singled. Gallagher had singled. Quan walked to load the bases. Rosario, of course, hits into a double play. Now, it wasn't a traditional double play from Ami Rosario, but he still hit into a double play somehow. Uh, he actually lined one at 104.6 miles per hour into center field. You know, Nimmo makes the catch and then fires home, and Brennan uh, gets thrown out, heading to the plate. Uh, you know, based on what I heard on this one, uh, the stop sign was up for him and he shouldn't have been going. Is that, is that what you saw? Cause I, again, I did not get to watch enough of this game. Uh, he, he had a 900 expected batting average. So I, I don't know if you could fault Ahmed Rosario too much here. 
Uh, but Brennan makes a bad base running decision and gets thrown out. I'm sure a lot of you were pissed at Brennan about that. Uh, it sounds like a rookie mistake out there. Uh, it sounds like, especially if the coach is giving you the stop sign. I Again, I'm all for being aggressive on the base paths, but, you know, you can also run yourself out of innings. There's also some dumb things you could do on the base paths. And if you hesitate and turn back towards third base, again, what do we say all the time? You can't hesitate. You make those decisions, you got to commit to them. Turning back, you're, you're, you're a dead duck. You're, you're going nowhere. You're going to be out eventually. Very, very few base runners have ever survived a pickle uh, and lived to talk about it. Uh, so uh, some bad base running there, but Jose Ramirez walks and reloads the bases, and Naylor comes through with the single. Naylor was coming through all day in his return to the lineup. I didn't realize, You don't realize how big of a bat he is in the middle of the lineup until he's not there for a few days. So, uh, yeah, 95% win probability, but they answer back with Henches on the mound. It's a walk to Nimmo. It's a single from Lindor. It's a walk to McNeil. And then he brings in Karinchek to face Pete Alonzo. And according to Guardian's Twitter, this was the absolute dumbest decision Tito could have possibly made. Uh, what the hell was he thinking? Uh, he starts him off with a curveball in off the plate, comes back, drops a curveball for a strike, misses with another curveball in off the plate, clearly trying to go up and in on uh, Pete Alonzo, misses off the plate with a four-seam fastball. 3-1 count now. Uh, feels like with the bases loaded, he's got to... This, this, is, this is the mistake right here because it's the bases loaded with a four-run lead. What's going to hurt you more here? The guy who's hit three home runs in the last three days coming into the game. This pitch was definitely called for to be in the inside fastball. And he misses out over the plate. And Alonzo makes him pay. Four home runs in four days. 102.2 mile per hour exit velocity. 30 degree launch angle. 400 feet out to right center field. Clears the bases and ties the game. And guess what? That's three innings in a row where the Mets have won the inning. Then we go into extras. Again, Gabriel Arias going opposite field. Really nice to see. Really nice to see. But they come back and win the inning. With that run around second. uh, Gets a fastball right down the pipe. Thank you, Drew Smith. I mean, right down the pipe. And hits at 106.9 mile per hour exit velocity, 23 degree launch angle, 383 out to right field for that uh, go-ahead home run in the top of the 10th. You know, Arias wasn't a big home run guy in the minors. You know, I kind of looked at his minors numbers, and he wasn't—he was never a 20 home run guy or anything like that in the minors. Uh, I think last year, and I've lost it here, but I want to say last year he only had like 13 home runs maybe in 2021 he had more uh i want to say it maybe was up around 18 home runs in 2021 you know he's he's kind of had a weird path through the minors right he deals with this trade to cleveland so he changes organizations then the covid year obviously you lose some time there in the covid year then he was so he gets a good 2021 in right plays in 115 games uh no 13 home runs in 2021. It was 17 home runs in 2019 before the pandemic season. And that was playing uh, in high A ball. Um, 
so 17 home runs then, 13 home runs in 2021, and then uh, in 2022 as well, you know, he split a little, he was in the majors for a little bit, but he was also hurt for a while. I mean, he only played in 77 games for Columbus, and he only had 13 home runs as well. So not a huge power bat there in the minors, but I think the scouts uh, think that some power is developable for him. And uh, it puts a really good swing on a mistake pitch from Drew Smith here and hits it out to right. But they win the inning. They win the inning. Uh, Marte would fly out. That never happens. Klaus never gives up fly outs. He's a ground ball pitcher. Moves that runner up to third. Vientos, they were jumping on early, swinging at first pitches against him. Vientos jumps on a first pitch slider that's kind of down the middle. It's a little bit low. And uh, shoots it into center field, so it brings in that that run. But what was so key in the top of the tenth was that two-run home run gave you that insurance run. And he strikes out Vogelbach. Uh, you know, gets him with a slider, uh, changes speed on him. Nice goes cutter slider, cutter slider, and uh, the dude can't handle it. Uh, strikes out Vogelbach, uh, but then Francisco Alvarez. Uh, like I said, he had a few heroic moments. Uh, he shoots a single, draws in that uh, tying run uh, to score. Uh, Quan launched the throw. I thought, you know, this ball bounced under Jose Ramirez. Quan came up with it and just absolutely sailed the throw to home. Probably would have been a pretty close play if that throw was on the money. Uh, there were a couple things in this game, especially late in this game in the ninth inning, where uh, the Mets infielders were able to make some diving stops or some pretty athletic plays. McNeil makes one uh, throwing back across his body at second base. Pete Alonzo is able to lay out for one and knock one down and snag one and get it out at first base. That's bat bip right there, right? That's luck. That's bat bip. I mean, yes, they're good. Def- they're playing good defense, but I, we believe in our defenders. Like I, I have no. I have all the faith in the world in our infield defense. And the fact that, like, one gets by a diving Jose Ramirez, another one gets by a diving Andres Jimenez, it just, the bat bip gods were not in our favor in this uh, 13th and 13th inning, Jesus, uh, in this 10th inning. Uh, Nimmo comes up next. Now it's a tight game. Uh, he singles on a ground ball to shortstop. It's, it's one of these ones where Ahmed Rosario is able to get to the ball, but had no chance at throwing Nimmo out. Uh, now they got runners on the corner, and Lindor, again, jumps on the first pitch, a cutter, uh, middle in, and uh, turns on it, shoots it into right field, and it brings in that winning run. Another thing I noticed in this game, they weren't necessarily swinging that hard, especially against Cal Quantrill. Uh, earlier in the game, Lindor had a pretty lazy double against him uh, and just didn't seem like he really swung that hard, just kind of floated a double out there to center field that went all the way back to the wall. And uh, I just I thought that was interesting. I, he ends up hitting it at 101.5, but it didn't look like that hard of a swing. It looked like with the hard stuff uh, Quantrill throws, they were, you know the old expression, let the bat do the work? Right, if a guy's throwing 90 some miles per hour, just let the bat do the work. And that's kind of what it looked like Lindor and then McNeil singles after him. It kind of looks like that was what they were doing. They were just kind of putting some nice, easy swings on him. And uh, yeah, the same thing happens to Classe in this ninth inning. 
Man, four hits given up in the inning for Emmanuel Classe. You just don't see that very often. So, yeah, uh, the Mets, you know, take it in extras, and they won the inning. They won the inning four times in this game. They're able to win the inning over the Guardians. Now, that's not to take anything away from the early scoring, right? You know, the big three-run home run from Josh Naylor to kick things off was awesome. Going up 5 nothing was awesome. But, man, I, I did not expect the game to turn like this. I, I thought we were cruising a little bit, especially when Naylor comes through in the seventh inning and adds more RBIs onto his day. Uh, it's a five-RBI day for Josh Naylor. But, yeah, uh, the Guardians pitching surprisingly lets us down. Karinchek in another high-leverage situation. The guy is not good in high-leverage situations. He just isn't. With runners on base, it's not pretty. I'm going to pull up his splits right here. Again, this probably isn't updated. Now, forget that. Splits on uh, StatCast don't cut it. For, For something like this, you got to go to baseball reference. And again, not updated with this game, but they have this leverage stats, right? High leverage situations, medium leverage situations, low leverage situations. You know, this leverage index is basically based on how much an event in a game would move the win probability line. So the math gets pretty up there, you know, pretty confusing. But it's this pretty simple stat to read for us. To calculate, no. But to understand, Yeah, there's high leverage situations, medium leverage situations, and low leverage situations. Obviously, a high leverage situation impacts the game, moves the win probability line a lot more than a low leverage situation does. Surprisingly, he actually isn't that terrible in the high leverage situations. I don't know what this will quantify as. I'm guessing that game time grand slam moves the win probability pretty far. So it probably is a high leverage situation. But he sucks in medium leverage situations. Uh, So at low leverage situations, he's a 133 batting average against. In high leverage, it's 180. In medium, it's 250. In low leverage situations, he's got a 611 OPS against. In high leverage, 697. In medium leverage, 1.233 OPS against. Wow, that's a significant difference. His OPS plus split relative to the league. His OPS plus, where league average is 100. For pitchers, you want to be below that. Uh, In low leverage, it's 70. In high leverage, it's 84. Still not bad, above league average. In medium leverage, it's 232. I mean, you don't see... League average is 100 for that. For anytime you see an OPS stat, OPS plus. And his is 232 absolutely terrible. He does tend to strike guys out when it's a high leverage situation. His strikeout to walk ratio goes to 3.0. He has 18 strikeouts of hitters in high leverage situations. Way more. Four in medium, three in low leverage. So the strikeout pitch does work for him, but uh, he gives up some stuff. He's given up too many home runs on the season. And it continues in this game to Pete Alonso, who all he's done for the last four days is hit home runs. So yeah, the bullpen definitely lets us down a little bit in this one. I mean, guys, you count on Henches, Karinchek, and Classe all give up runs out of the bullpen. Meanwhile, their bullpen does a does a decent job, gives them 
three shutout innings in there after Dominic Leone gives up some runs in the sixth. Uh, the seventh, eighth, and ninth, they at least put up zeros uh, until the uh, tenth inning where we get to Drew Smith, but unfortunately they have the answer. So uh, it was a fun baseball game, though, right? Like I, You can't look at a 10-9 baseball game with 23 combined hits and not think, well, at least it was a fun baseball game. So you saw a little bit of everything there in this game. I, there's so much more. I, if those of you who got to watch it, I'm sure you have more details, more storylines that you were popping up in this game. Uh, you know, we could look at the breakdown numbers for Carrasco and Quantrill. Neither of them pitched great. Carrasco coming back from injury, you know, gives up five hits, five runs in five innings. Two walks and three strikeouts. Hey, that adds up to five. One home run on 80 pitches. That breaks the pattern. Uh, And he's hard hit. Oh, he broke the pattern again six times. Uh, So uh, that was Carrasco's day. On the other side, Quantrill, five and two-thirds, six hits, three earned runs, uh, no walks, and six strikeouts, which is surprising for him, but two home runs given up on 96 pitches. He was hard hit a lot. Uh, One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. Again, didn't mix, didn't mix in enough breaking stuff, enough off-speed stuff to keep him honest. Went 74% sinker cutter. Just not mixing that. Didn't use the curveball very much. Five curveballs on the day. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, he pays the price. He gets hit hard. Uh, mostly on that sinker. They averaged 92.1 off that sinker. They only averaged 77.7 off the cutter. So uh, where were the other hard hit balls coming from? Uh, yeah. So uh, that was Quantrill's day. Uh, it's it's kind of a middle-of-the-road kind of day. I, he put us in position to win, so you got to give him credit there. When he leaves the game, we're, we're set up to win this thing. Uh, had to deal with some sticky situations, but uh, Hunches helps him get out of it before Henches implodes in the seventh inning. So they managed to get through the sixth with only giving up one run. So Quantrill absolutely does his job when he left the game. You know, he records a decent amount of outs, gets him into the sixth inning. And when he left the game, they were set up to win this thing. So uh, does his job on this one. The other thing we should shout out is Cam Gallagher with two hits uh, hitting in the nine hole. Did you notice? You know, there was a significant difference with Gallagher out there. Uh on uh, on yesterday's game, that getaway day in uh, in Chicago. So he gets the start again here. Now, of course, he takes a ball off his bare hand uh, late in the game in the 10th inning. So we'll see if that has any effect on who's catching tomorrow. But, yeah, Gallagher comes up with two hits. He gets the opportunity. He's got that batting average up to 106. Look at that. Look at that. He might climb back up to that 150 mark that I set for him earlier. Which is still, again, still terrible. But at least with the defense, it's something. Uh, so Gallinger, two hits on the day. Included, uh, you know, uh, a ball that drops in left field and drives in a run in that second inning. So good stuff from him on the day. Uh, so that's my thoughts. My, my thoughts are you got a fun baseball game at least. It did not go our way. And it's very frustrating. And yes, you can question Tito's use of the bullpen all you want. But, uh, you know, in the end, we were still set up for a win. We were still set up to take a game against the Mets, and they got to Classe in the 10th inning. 
And uh, there you go. That's that's the storyline of the game. So MVP on the day. Got to go with Josh Naylor. Three for five with a run scored. Home run, a big three-run home run. Love those crooked numbers. Five RBIs on the day for Josh Naylor. Again, you know, putting together a rally like in the seventh inning is is good. It's great. But man, that three home run ball in the first inning, the home run, it does. It changes things. Man, it really changes the momentum of a game. So uh, Naylor getting MVP on the day for this one. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. I know I didn't go into as much details i normally do i just i couldn't i could i can't it's gonna be rough for me to be there this weekend there's so much going on uh with work with stuff at home i'm gonna try but i'm here to talk about it with you i'm here to talk about it so hit me up on email hit me up on twitter whatever you want to do to connect and talk baseball a little bit here and uh i'll get i'll keep coming to you with the podcasts i know how to read a box score i know how to watch some highlights i know how to dig in and figure out what happened in these games and uh, that's the whole point of the show. Just need a place to talk about the game after it happened. So, all right, that's all my thoughts. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at ClevelandBaseballMornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.